You're listening to WNYU 89.1 FM New York and online everywhere at WNYU.org. Today is Wednesday, October 14th. I'm your host, Kate Hines. This is The Rundown. You're listening to 89.1 FM WNYU New York. On September 30th, the College Media Association announced an investigation into their own president, Dr. Kenna Griffin. This follows accusations of misconduct made against Dr. Griffin by students at NYU's newspaper Washington Square News two days prior. In a statement, they say, quote, The board agreed that some of the charges stemming from the Washington Square News editorial on Monday were serious, but that more fact-finding was needed. The College Media Association intends to have their investigation concluded and the results from it reported no later than October 12th. President-elect of the College Media Association Chris Whitley declined to comment further at this time. Many aspects of this story still remain unclear, and our investigation of the situation is ongoing. For The Rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM, I'm Kelly Drake. Starting our show tonight, we hear from Brennan Keeley. He will spit for your ears as he describes what NYU's self-administered COVID test is like. As society enters month seven of quarantine and with almost 8 million recorded cases in the U.S. alone, the hunt for a reliable and quick way to test for COVID-19 is still on. Here at New York University, students living on campus are required to take a self-administered COVID-19 test every week. Today, I will be reviewing Binks Health's self-administered COVID-19 test provided by NYU. It's in a really nice, I don't know if I would say chic, white cardboard box. And then let's see what comes in this. So there is a piece of paper that says, this saliva collection kit has been expressly authorized by the FDA for use in COVID-19 testing. There is an instructions, there is the kit itself. There's a little um, paper towel, specimen bag, and a laboratory requisition form. Now first, you have to register your kit. So let's go on to binkshealth.com to activate my COVID-19. 19 test. So the self-administered COVID test is fairly easy. You spit into a tube and you need enough spit to get to the fill line, which isn't that high. You'd think that gathering up a tiny bit of spit would not take you that long, you know, spit and you're done. But this took me a good a minute, minute and a half. When you've collected enough spit, you're supposed to close the tab there's like a little switch and you close it and that if you heard that the juices are being released into the container so you screw you unscrew the cap then you add a new cap on i got the results of my test back three days later and thankfully i tested negative I found my experience with Binks Health self-administered COVID-19 tests fairly simple, but worried that the long wait times between taking the test and the results jeopardize the accuracy. I don't think this is the future of COVID-19 tests, but it certainly is a huge leap forward from where we were seven months ago. 
This is Brennan Keeley reporting from The Rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM. Misty Avenger is here to help out first-time voters understand their options for this year's historic election. Election Day is quickly approaching, and this year, things will look pretty different. With the global pandemic still affecting daily life, U.S. voters are questioning the safety of in-person voting. And though mail-in ballots may seem like the solution, the reliability of the mail has recently been put into question. First-time voters are asking, what is the best way to vote? How do you plan on voting in the upcoming election? Mail-in. In-person. Mail-in ballot? In-person. In-person. I don't know. In-person. Mail-in. Absentee ballot? Mail-in ballot. As you can see, there are a number of ways to submit your ballot this year, but it can be hard to know which is right for you. I've put together some tips to help first-time voters navigate this historic election. Registering to vote is the most important step. You can visit vote.org if you're unsure of your voting status. Absentee ballots are available if you're not a current resident of the state you were registered in. I signed up for absentee ballot like the beginning of freshman year, but then I've just changed my address now that I've moved and I just get the ballot in the mail. You can locate an absentee ballot online or have a parent mail your ballot to your dorm or off-campus apartment. If you live in the state you were registered in and feel safe to visit your local polling place, in-person voting has worked for hundreds of years. Voting in person is easy enough. Uh, It's best, though, to have your ward with you. Then you know exactly which table to go to. But if you don't have that information, there are plenty of people who will steer you to the right location. Once they locate your name, which is in alphabetical order, with a copy of your ID and you sign, uh, into the booth you go. Not sure where your local polls are? A simple Google search will help you locate the nearest to you. Still unsure? You can visit your state's election official website for more detailed information. NYU's Student Life Center has tons of resources to check out if you still feel overwhelmed on how to vote. NYU Votes is also a great place to find videos and tips on how to vote smart. Whether you're new to voting or a seasoned pro, we are all in this together. Happy voting. New York is one of the hundreds of cities that celebrates Indigenous Peoples Day on Monday, October 12th. The federal government, of course, still considers it Columbus Day, but advocates are still fighting for change. Izzy McMahon and Grace Wanabo report. Columbus Day has been a controversial holiday in the U.S. for years now, but a growing number of states and local governments choose not to observe this federal holiday, instead changing the name and meaning of it to Indigenous Peoples Day. Really beginning in the 1970s and 1980s, there was increasing pushback against the glorification of Columbus. That was Elizabeth Ellis. She teaches Native American history here at NYU and is a citizen of the Peoria Tribe of Indians of Oklahoma. She was nice enough to share her knowledge over a Zoom call with us this past Monday. The 500th year anniversary of the Columbus expedition to the Caribbean was when a lot of people began to focus on this commemoration point and to critique the celebration of Columbus. In 2010s, there was a significant shift for a lot of communities to think about the meaning of the holiday. And I think this is very much in conversation with, especially in the last couple of years, the larger national conversations we've been having about monuments and memorials to white supremacy, the way we commemorate, for example, Confederate statues or other kinds of discoverers, explorers across the country. 
Indigenous Peoples Day may feel like a more recent topic in today's national agenda, but Ellis feels that it's been an ongoing conversation. If you look at the way that the United States has thought and talked about Indigenous people, I mean, in the popular consciousness, there's a lot of invisibilities. One of the things that Native communities have struggled with really for hundreds of years to get proper coverage of Indigenous issues, of Indigenous worldviews, perspectives. Although in-person celebrations for this day have been canceled, reflecting on where you are in the country and whose homelands you are on is an easy practice to do in the comfort of your own home. Here in NYU, we're all on Lenape homelands, and to think about what that might mean for our framing and for understanding our place in the world, I think, would be a, you know, a, good, a good moment to reflect. In our current moment of COVID, Indigenous communities are struggling. A quarter of Native Americans today live in poverty. Many people are in overcrowded housing, don't have access to clean water. So it makes it very hard to follow these CDC guidelines, right, of wash your hands all the time, practice social distancing. But I think, you know, I think in some ways it's more important to focus on the tradition of resistance that's always accompanied Columbus Day this year and the calls for reform and the opportunity to raise this as a point of You know, this is something that requires political action. Indigenous Peoples Day is a moment to come together, to organize, to resist, and to most importantly, take care of Native communities. This might be a moment to reflect on what kinds of mutual aid is going on within nations that we can support, or their policies, right? Is this a time to reaffirm our commitment to vote and to ensure that we do better for Native communities? For The Rundown 89.1 FM, this has been Izzy McMahon and Grace Marie Wanabo. To end our show tonight, I decided to venture into the unknown and try a pumpkin spice latte for the first time to understand what's all the hype about. Okay, so I am here outside at Tompkins Square Park with my best girlfriend, Bria. She got the iced pumpkin spice latte that I will try, and I got the hot one. I got a classic one, no whip. I am I'm drinking this for research. In 2003, the liquid lab of the Starbucks headquarters in Seattle birthed a game-changing creation that would alter the course of history. Pumpkin spice latte. High five it. I am not a coffee drinker, so I've actually never had a PSL. But I wanted to understand what all the hype was about. But first, I talked to my friend Lauren, a pumpkin spice fanatic, about what makes it so good. It is absolutely amazing and delicious. It's something about the taste that like puts your brain in like the seasonal fall mode. The fact that it's only like for a limited time, like once a year, and it's also like the beginning of like the holiday season. So I think people are like really ready for that, like after summer. Former Starbucks barista and current PSL lover, Bria McDonald, told me some insider secrets about the cult favorite. Okay, so I worked at one of the busiest Starbucks locations in New York City. It's like the busiest in Brooklyn. I remember the first day that um, the pumpkin spice latte came out in 2019. And it's like, it was pretty much like what every single person would order in line. I was like, didn't you have to ask most of the time what they wanted? Seriously, like 800 orders, 850. No, I think it, it's the hype that like waiting for it and it's just like it honestly it sounds so stupid but it really does feel like the beginning of fall when it comes out even though it's like the end of august so the moment of truth arrived 
I had to know what I was missing. Okay. Okay, I like it. It's yeah. it's good. It just kind of tastes like coffee, though. <laughs> I'll taste the iced one, I guess. This one is better. The iced is yes, better. right? It's so good. The iced is absolutely better. It's so good. I'm not mad at it. Will it become my regular order? I don't think so, but I understand why people would want this. It's, It tastes like fall. It really does. Huh. I'm kind of surprised how much I enjoy it. I really thought it would be like too sweet or like kind of gross, mm -hmm. but it just kind of tastes like fall coffee. I'm really happy that we did this. That's all for tonight. You can find more on campus news at nyulocal.com. Stay tuned. Next up is the premiere of our brand new WNYU podcasts. Thank you for tuning into The Rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM. I'm your host, Kate Hines. You're listening to 89.1 FM, WNYU, New York.